0: Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to the Left Side of Liberty podcast. I'm Jordan Jardine, and today I have my first truly organized show where I actually know what the hell I'm doing. So, this is how this podcast is going to work from now on. So, we have... What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have what I call... The, the first segment is going to be called the Double Video Breakdown, where I break down two videos uh, from YouTube and, you know, analyze their contents, outline my agreements, disagreements, whatever, with those videos. And... The second part of the podcast is going to be the news part of the podcast. Uh, What I'm calling uh, the forehead. Uh, That's what I'm calling it because... uh, So I'll be going through four articles, four headlines, you know. Um, So kind of my little (laughs) ridiculous pun. So we got the forehead coming up after the double video breakdown. So let's start the... <clears throat> double video breakdown right now. Today I'm going to the the first video I'm going to play is another Prager University video. Uh I won't break down PragerU videos every podcast, but um but they're just so much fun I thought I'd do another video breakdown of theirs just for this week. Like I said, it's not going to be a PragerU video every time, but um, last uh, last time I promised you guys that I'd break down this PragerU video from Jordan Peterson or presented by Jordan Peterson. And then after that, I'm going to break down um, Elizabeth Warren recently – came out and announced that she's officially running in 2020, and she put out her first campaign video, and it was a very mixed bag. I won't be going through the uh, the video or, like, the, the, the press address that she put out uh, a couple days ago, but... Um, just the campaign video uh, anyway let's uh, let's get right into it here so here is dr. Jordan Peterson from about six months ago or so um, outlining why um, college professors are dangerous people and they shouldn't be teaching your kids. This should be fun, wouldn't it? Shouldn't it? <laughs> All right, here we go.
1: You may not realize it, but you are currently funding some dangerous people. They are indoctrinating young minds throughout the West with their resentment-ridden ideology. They have made it their life's mission to undermine Western civilization It's
0: Okay, so we're not even, like, a few seconds into the video and already... Uh, I can, I I have some problems. So he starts out by saying, well, you know, these professors are indoctrinating young minds with their resentment ridden ideology. Uh, Dr. Peterson, what does that mean? Resentment ridden ideology. You didn't present any arguments there. You just said resentment ridden ideology what does that mean? See, this is why I hate it when people who talk about politics and social sciences, when they use these vague platitudes that don't mean anything, like, what does that mean, resentment-ridden ideology? Now, I know what he's going to say. He's going to say, oh, you know, the the, the left plays the victim all the time, and they resent people for this and that, and it's like, That's such a stereotype of the left wing. That's such a broad generalization. And to act like every college professor, and this is the whole overarching point that I'm going to make for this entire video that Jordan Peterson did here, to paint a few cherry-picked examples of professors being these hardcore... Lefties, which I think you can get in sociology, gender studies, those types of professors, but if you're talking about political science or English or yeah you know, like those kinds of professors, they it's reasonable to call them liberals, but they they don't advocate for what you call postmodern neo Marxism. It's like Doctor Peterson You have no idea what you're talking about. Um, And then also, just real quick before we get back into the video, um, this goes back to what I was saying last podcast where there's this weird obsession that some right-wingers have with Western civilization versus every other civilization. Like, we are the West, which means we are so superior and we are, you know we, we are awesome. And it's like, okay, Western civilization has done some great things, but we've also done some terrible things in the name of imperialism masquerading as freedom and democracy. So I don't get this whole obsession from certain right-wingers with Western civilization. It's like, like I was saying, uh, to, to Dennis Prager last week or, or at Dennis Prager, because I wasn't actually talking to him, Uh, what I was saying was, Dennis, so are you saying, because he brought up Western civilization, so Dennis, are you saying that Eastern civilization uh, and, like, what's another one? Eastern civilization and, like, indigenous civilizations, you're saying that they don't have any musical achievements or artistic achievements they don't have any any morals you know that they're, they're they're morally inferior to the west like what what exactly does that mean western civilization you know so again it's just this vague term that uh that it's just weird because it doesn't mean anything so anyway um let's get back into uh Dr. Peterson here, because then he just goes completely off the rails.
1: Self, which they regard as corrupt, oppressive and patriarchal. If you're a taxpayer or paying for your kid's liberal arts degree, you're underwriting this gang of nihilists. You're supporting ideologues who claim that all truth is subjective. That all sex differences are socially constructed and that western imperialism is the sole source of all third world problems
0: okay so let me stop you there now is western civilization patriarchal in some ways yes but in other ways no So it's not like everybody on the left has to believe that there's this gigantic patriarchy in all cases. So that's just a weird thing to say. And I've never heard a professor... Now, of course, this is anecdotal and not empirical, but I personally have never heard a professor talk about patriarchy, you know, I, 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 I've, I've never heard, um, now maybe I think actually, now that I think about it, maybe one may have mentioned that word, but it was like a three second thing. And then he moved on to the next, (laughs) to, with the rest of the sentence. So to act like, Every professor makes this overarching point of, oh, patriarchy is to blame for everything. That's just patently false. And also, nihilists? Like, what What are you, this is what, you know, this is what you do when you don't have an argument, and this goes for, for both sides, um, where you just start throwing these nasty-sounding words when you don't have an argument. So he's like, they're nihilists. Oh, okay. So does that mean they believe that everything in life is meaningless? Nothing has any meaning in life? Does, is, that, is, that what, is that what you're talking about? That professors teach their students that life is completely meaningless and, you know, there are no norms that are legitimate, whatever. You know, so it's like, what are you saying? <laughs> you know? um, And then also, um, my favorite part, is he says, you're supporting ideologues that claim that all truth is subjective. Okay, again, in some cherry-picked instances, yes, there are some uh, there are some particularly liberals that take it too far and make, for instance, gender issues way more of an issue than they actually are. I agree with that. But to say that college professors do that outside of like gender studies and, and sociologists to, 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 and even then probably not like in, in, not every one of those professors is like that. So again, you're just cherry picking a few examples and using that as a broad indictment of the educational system in America. So, the the higher educational system in particular. So, by the way, I'm sorry. By the way, which, which side, if you will, really is this... That they think that all truth is subjective your side the conservative side your side is the one that wants everything to be balanced all the time you you think that just because a, uh, a newspaper might publish uh, stories with a slightly liberal slant that it doesn't that that automatically makes it untrue and discredited and but what if that article that happens to have that liberal slant happens to be right and factually correct. Like I don't get it. Like like so so everything is 50-50. That means that in in, in effect what you're saying is creationism is 50% legitimate legitimate along with the big bang and abiogenesis and all those concepts Like, you're saying that creationism is a 50% legitimate part of the conversation. Same thing with uh, climate change. Climate change is happening, Uh, like I said last podcast. Yes, we could cherry-pick certain scientists that were paid to, to, to find that climate change was happening. But it's overwhelmingly more likely that the scientists on the other side of the argument are being paid to do so because the fossil fuel companies hire their own scientists to be shills for corporations uh, and deny the existence of climate change. So climate change is happening, but you guys, and I'm not saying that Jordan Peterson... um, Because I don't know quite enough about him to be able to say this. I'm not saying that Jordan Peterson... Actually denies the existence of climate change. I'm just saying that that people on his side, uh, like Ben Shapiro, for instance, uh, think that it's some sort of like Marxist plot to save, you know, to, to remedy centuries of rot and just decaying of the environment because of. Industrialization and yeah, just industrialization. But anyway, uh, continue, uh, Dr. Peterson. Here we go.
1: They are the postmodernists pushing progressive activism at a college near you. They produce the mobs that violently shut down campus speakers. Language police who enshrine into law use of fabricated gender pronouns, and the deans whose livelihoods depend on madly rooting out discrimination where little or none exists. Thinking-
0: <sighs> okay. So again, he he trots out the whole postmodernism thing. But again, who's more likely to support? Postmodernism. In other words, his argument is that postmodernists believe that all truth is subjective. Some on the left probably believe that, but you guys also are tend to be. You guys also tend to be postmodernists. You believe that uh, that a lot of things which are settled are up for debate. You believe uh, if you're a conservative, you're more likely to believe in religion. And religion is a mixed bag in terms of the benefits slash detriments to society. I have no problem with religion. I'm I'm a deist, which means that I believe in God but not a specific God, and I don't believe that God is in the form necessarily of like a a human sort of like a a, a Judeo Christian God kind of figure. So. So you believe in that God, and Jordan Peterson definitely does. There's no factual basis, though, for God existing. Now, somebody would say, well, there's no factual basis for your uh, God either, Jordan. I know. I know there's no factual basis. I choose to believe it. But hey, I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. And Jordan Peterson and people of his ilk have this certitude that God exists And they, so again, they are the very postmodernists that they claim a majority of the left is when it's just a tiny fragment uh, of the left. And I'm glad that David Pakman, who is a progressive host, I think it was David Pakman that made that point where it's like, Republicans and conservatives are oftentimes the very postmodernists that they claim to despise on the left, you know, like that, that, that they claim that the left is. So, and also, okay, I'm not for censoring conservative speakers on college campuses, okay? I'm not. I'm also not for rioting. Uh, and and you're just throwing a hissy fit, a dangerous hissy fit, just because somebody's going to show up to the, to campus that you don't like. You know how you deal with that situation? Don't go to watch them speak. How about that? Um, and you got to understand people that support that. You got to understand that when you do that, you are saying I can't intellectually compete with these people. And I'm just going to throw a tantrum and wreck shit and, and vandalize shit uh, as a way of expressing my anger. It's like, really? You, you're really that dense that you can't intellectually compete with Ann Coulter and Candace Owens and Dave Rubin? Like you're really that So it's like, that's more of a problem with you than it is with them, that you can't intellectually compete with them, and your ideas are not superior to theirs, which most of their ideas, of all the people I just mentioned, the vast, vast majority of their ideas are discredited right-wing nonsense, these parroted, passed-down talking points that are thoroughly discredited, but they pretend are somehow new and edgy. So, so that's pretty sad if you can't compete with that on an intellectual level. But anyway, um, so I'm not for that. I'm also not for fabricated gender pronouns as, as uh, Dr. Peterson called it. But having said that, if somebody like I have, uh, a couple of trans friends if 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 they want me to to call them by x pronoun like if, if um a trans woman wants me to call her she don't don't be an asshole okay that's what i'm trying to say i'm not going to propose legislation you know you, you have the right to be an asshole within reason you know don't beat up trans people or whatever because then that gets you Uh, That that's in the territory of, obviously, assault, and you should get penalized for that. However, I'm not going to penalize you. I'm not going to penalize you for being an asshole, but you shouldn't be an asshole, is my point. And and, uh, so, yeah, do I support a law to, to codify that into law that you should, by law... Use certain gender pronouns. No, you know, and I think that Canada proposing something similar to that is a grave, grave mistake. Uh, But again, you shouldn't be an asshole. So what he's going to talk about here next, uh, what Peterson's going to talk about is basically that. It, it's the uh, the dirty hippies' fault in the 60s. You know, it's their fault. Uh, that They're the, to blame for what's going on here. So let's listen to this gem uh, of a comment by Dr. Jordan Peterson.
1: Thinking took hold in Western universities in the 60s and 70s when the true believers of the radical left became the professors of today. And now we rack up education-related debt not so that our children learn to think critically, write clearly, or speak properly, but so they can model their mentor's destructive agenda. It's now possible to complete an English degree and never encounter Shakespeare, one of those dead white males whose works underlie our society of oppression. To understand and oppose the postmodernists, the ideas by which they orient themselves must be clearly identified.
0: Okay, before we get into that, because this is where he really kind of pisses me off, but um, where he slightly pisses me off is what you just heard there, where okay, first of all how can you call the hippies' agenda, quote-unquote destructive? Yes, it's constructive to conservative values, but so I wonder why uh, Jordan Peterson thinks they're, quote-unquote destructive. Gee, that's hard to figure out. So he thinks they're destructive because they are going against the grain of conservative norms and narratives, uh, most of which are not true. So that's what he's talking about there. And he, But he's going further in that he's implying that hippies actually want violence and conflict. But Dr. Peterson, the whole damn point of hippies was that they wanted peaceful solutions to, to people's problems. They were very similar to me in that they were sort of like anarcho-communists in a way. And they are not these evil, sinister uh, sort of agents of destruction. No, they wanted peace and as close to equality as possible. That's what they wanted. But since you disagree with it, you call that destructive. That's not destructive. That's the opposite. That's constructive. They were trying to construct a society where we all got along better and we all didn't focus so much on greed and just acquiring things and just caring about people and, and again, finding peaceful, nonviolent solutions to our problems And freeing ourselves of a big bureaucratic centralized state. That's what the hippies stood for, which is why, which again is why you're calling them destructive. But no, they were a hell of a lot more constructive than you ever have been, Jordan Peterson. So, also, how many hippies are. The quote-unquote professors of today. Where's that poll? Where's the where's the uh, where's the data for that, Jordan? Where's the empirical evidence that says, oh, this number of people are hippies? You know, this number of professors are hippies from the nineteen sixties. You can't prove that. You know, you 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 can't prove that. Where's that Where's that information? Oh, that's right, you don't have it. Uh, so, and then he's gonna go through and just straw man. Uh, the uh, what he calls the unholy trinity.
1: First is their new unholy trinity of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Diversity is defined not by opinion, but by race, ethnicity, or sexual identity. Equity is no longer the laudable goal of equality of opportunity, but the insistence on equality of outcome. And inclusion is the use of identity-based quotas to attain this misconceived state of equity.
0: Okay. <sighs> so, he starts off by saying diversity, what these radical lefties mean by diversity is not diversity of opinion, but uh, diversity of race, gender, etc. And I agree that sometimes people can take it too far in this in like diversity at all costs and just this over emphasis on diversity that sometimes seems like it's just diversity for diversity's sake. So I understand that that can get irritating sometimes, but the intention behind it is: hey, let's try to uh, include people that have historically been marginalized. Let's try to include them in discussions and uh, you know in- introduce their ideas and perspectives into the conversations that we have let's you know let's try that and 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 let's try to get members from that community to offer uh said perspectives that's what that that's what that means and like i said sometimes yes it can go overboard but the intent but again the 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 intention behind it is fairly actually real completely benign but anyway So that's diversity. Then he goes equity. He's like, well, these guys, they don't want uh, equality of opportunity. They want equality of outcome. This is something that I've heard Peterson say a lot. And I don't see a lot of people challenging him on this. I know Kyle Kalinske did a video challenging him. But I'm talking about to his face directly. Um, People have not challenged him on this that I've seen. So, So what he's referring to is when we say, and I think this is partially our fault as well. We need to get better with messaging and branding. But when we say we want equality, first of all, we are talking about uh, equality of opportunity and in, in the anarcho-communist case, equality of opportunity to access resources. That's what we're talking about. But we're not saying... This is what we're not saying. We're not saying that if you... That, that everybody gets... I don't know. Let's say you're at an apple tree. Like this, this ANCOM society is debating how to divvy up this uh, the the apples from this apple tree, okay? Bear with me. So in Jordan Peterson's mind, he thinks, oh, uh, these ANCOMs and these liberals, which have totally separate uh, agendas, but uh, of course that doesn't matter to him. But anyway, point is, you know these these dirty lefties. They um, they think that okay, everybody gets two apples all the time in every circumstance, and you just have to shut up and deal with it. But no, if somebody says, "Hey, you know, we need you know our our family um, is." you know, we have larger appetite, let's just say. So can we have three apples each instead of two? You know, and um, I don't really see any problem with that. So so that's kind of what I would say in response to to that, where if a family... Like if a family needs three, three apples each, they should be able to have access to that. But we're not saying everybody in the community is limited to just two apples. That's, that's just a total, again, it's a total straw man of, of what we believe. So, and then, uh inclusion uh, is another straw man that he does where um where he is talking about because we include certain people, I guess you know they want to include everybody and uh, and again this kind of is similar to the diversity thing that he was strawmanning. I don't know. Inclusion. I don't even know how to respond to what he said. I really don't. You know, it's like, what's, what's wrong with inclusion? You know, you can include various perspectives and various races and various ideas. You know, I have no problem with that. So, Yeah. Include whatever you want. Doesn't matter. Um, and then he says, sorry. And then he says, well, you know, we, we, we send our kids to college now. So not so our, our kids can learn to write clearly, think critically and speak properly. But, uh, but he brings up the, uh, I think this is where he brings up the uh, sort of like destructive agenda thing again. Um, but again, it's just not, it's not true. And it's like, you should see my school. You have to present your ideas clearly and you have to write professionally and, and you have to provide critical analysis in what you're writing. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Now, maybe he could, again, maybe he could cherry pick three or four examples of universities across this country that don't do that or don't have as high of standards with that. And also, but the vast majority, I would say, are fond or, or, or support that higher standard. But also, what English curriculum in what university, you know, what universities is, 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 does, this, does this apply to where you don't read Shakespeare? What? You know? And then he says, oh, it's because he's a dead white male that uh, that is part of the oppression and the, oh my god. See now he's just being silly. You know, um he he's gone from being wrong to just being really silly. You know? That's a really silly thing to say. Because like like every English professor in America is like you know, I would teach Hamlet. You know, we we were going to uh analyze Hamlet, but you know, the author is a dead white male. So, uh, let's read something from, I don't know, um, from Jane Austen instead, (laughs) you know, or, or, um, or Maya Angelou or, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it's like, give me a break, Jordan. Come on. (laughs) You know, um, anyway, Carry on, Mr. Peterson.
1: All the classic rights of the West are to be considered secondary to these new values.
0: Aha! And then uh, this is the point in the video where it all makes sense. He is annoyed that conservative values and norms are being questioned, so therefore these are quote unquote new values, and most of these he's just straw manning anyway, so that so they're not really the new values, but his straw manned picture of uh, these new values, it freaks him out, so he's angry about it. So and it's funny because he's showing a lot of resentment here. He's implying a lot of resentment toward these quote unquote new values, which is kind of interesting considering he was talking about how it's the left that has this quote-unquote resentment-ridden ideology. So that's interesting, Dr. Peterson. Thank you for, uh, for letting us know your true feelings. It was almost like a Freudian slip in a way, where he's letting you know uh, exactly what his point is in this whole video.
1: Take, for example, freedom of speech, the very pillar of democracy. The postmodernists refuse to believe that people of goodwill can exchange ideas and reach consensus. Their world is instead a Hobbesian nightmare of identity groups warring for power. They don't see ideas that run contrary to their ideology as simply incorrect. They see them as integral to the oppressive system they wish to supplant, and consider it a moral obligation to stifle and constrain their expression. Second is rejection of the free market, of the very idea that free, voluntary trading benefits everyone. They won't acknowledge that capitalism has lifted up hundreds of millions of people so they can, for the first time in history, afford food, shelter, clothing, transportation, even entertainment and travel. Those classified as poor in the US and increasingly everywhere else are able to meet their basic needs. Meanwhile, in once prosperous Venezuela, until recently the poster child of the campus radicals, the middle class lines up for toilet paper. Third and finally are the politics of identity. Postmodernists don't believe in individuals. You're an exemplar of your race, sex, or sexual preference. You're also either a victim or an oppressor. No wrong can be done by anyone in the former group and no good by the latter. Such ideas of victimization do nothing but justify the use of power and engender intergroup conflict. All the.
0: Okay, so uh, a lot to unpack there. So, first of all, he says, well, um, these postmodernists, they have these, you know, three different ideas. And so he says, first, postmodernists believe that. People cannot exchange ideas and reach consensus. Uh... No. (laughs) Just, no. Like, what? (laughs) Like, that's such a weird... Like, so... He's saying that... Us lefties, we, we don't believe that people... Uh, can exchange ideas. We exchange ideas all the time. There's pre- plenty of diversity of thought on the left, uh, contrary to what people like Peterson would have you believe. We can exchange ideas, like what? And then he goes on to say, um, <clears throat> sorry. Then he goes on to say, you know, these people, the these postmodernists, they they see the world as this. Hobbesian nightmare of groups vying for power, essentially. Okay, do you know anything about left-wing thought? Well, the answer to that is no, but do you have any idea how wrong that is? I mean, the whole point of the left-wing, particularly the anarchist left, which I'm on, is that We don't want hierarchy at all. At all. So, that is just a weird thing to say because Thomas Hobbes believed in a rigid hierarchical system like you probably believe in, Jordan Peterson. You know? So, and he also believed in authoritarianism. And you're right that uh, that this vision of society does nothing but justify the use of power to control people, essentially, is what he's saying. That's true, but again, that's on your side. That's not on our side. Um, that's We're all about taking power away from the hierarchy and putting it in the hands of individuals that are free to do whatever they want as long as they don't harm anybody else or interfere with their right to survive. So don't take any resources from anybody or whatever. So, again, just a total straw man, Uh, not very accurate. And then, uh, so, he goes on to say, well, these postmodernists reject the free market. Okay, um... Some, I suppose, do. But if he's saying, like, if he's referring to, for instance, social democrats, social democrats do not reject the free market. Okay. They want a heavily regulated free market, but they don't reject the free market. You know who rejects the free market? I reject the free market because in my opinion it's not really free and no free voluntary trading does not benefit everyone, Jordan Peterson. There's this thing called hmm outsourcing where if you're a say if you work at a manufacturing plant in Iowa, let's say and let's say, you know what? No, let's let's go back uh, let's say you used to work at a GM plant in Detroit let's let's say that or a Ford or whatever and GM or or Ford decides that it's cheaper to send those jobs away from Detroit and into China for instance so that is an example of free trade, of free voluntary trading, but you're trading away the jobs of hardworking Americans in exchange for larger profits. That's what's being exchanged there. So it does not benefit everyone, you know, so, so that's just a total nonsense talking point. Also, um what was I gonna say also he brings up the oh right the 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 old talking point of oh you know uh capitalism has lifted millions of people out of poverty um yeah but also it has kept a lot of people in into poverty like i went to like i went through last time where you have these these countries that are developing countries that the IMF pushes to liberalize and just these rapid free market reforms and then some of them collapse and default on their loans and then they have to start the cycle all over again and it just becomes one big giant mess and so so again capitalism yes they have lifted some people out of poverty but other people they've kept capitalism has kept down and the capitalists have uh, have kept people down so it's funny that you only focus on the upside whereas you don't focus on the downside and it's just really, again, it's really strange. But anyway, then he goes on to say, well, uh, Venezuela was once prosperous and it was also once the uh, poster child of campus radicals. What? What? I've never heard um, a... I- I've never heard a hippie or whatever... Talking about Venezuela as their ideal model of society. And again, that's anecdotal. So let's get to the empirical. Okay. Jordan Peterson, where's that poll? Where's the poll that has Venezuela's approval rating among college professors and hippies? Where, where is that poll? Show me that data. You know, you made the claim, you made the claim. And he would probably say, well, you can't prove to me that they're not uh, that they don't support Venezuela. That's not how burden of proof works. The burden of proof is on you. You made the claim. You have to prove it. So, uh, so that is just a weird talking point, and just this totally random. Like he's just making it up. You know that that Venezuela is the ideal model of society or was for the quote unquote radical left. It's like no you know, and especially uh if you talk to me I hate Venezuela and and a lot of the other people that I talk to that are similar to me in terms of our um, economic and social views they also hate Venezuela okay so that's just a weird that, that that's just such a such a weird random talking point so anyway uh, let's uh, let's carry on here
1: these concepts originated with Karl Marx the 19th century German philosopher Marx viewed the world as a gigantic class struggle the bourgeoisie against the proletariat the grasping rich against the desperate poor. But wherever his ideas were put into practice, in the Soviet Union, China, Vietnam, and Cambodia, to name just a few, whole economies failed and tens of millions were killed. We fought a decades-long Cold War to stop the spread of those murderous notions. But they're back in the...
0: Okay. First of all, I would argue. So he he attributes this stuff to Marx. And. If you stretch it. And do mental gymnastics. He's right. But. Then he says. Well. Wherever Marx's ideas were put into. Well first he says. You know. uh, Marx believed that society was. Was a gigantic class struggle. Between. The. Bourgeoisie and the proletariat, the grasping rich against the desperate poor, because uh, it is, you know, like it is. Like I said, I'm I don't consider myself necessarily a Marxist, but I, I you know I agree with him on 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 a few things, but I consider myself much more of a Chomskyist or a Kropotkinist, you know that kind of thing. So. A Proudhon-ist. Uh. So, anyway. Point is... That's just... Like... It is! Like, like that. that's what... You know, they're, they're... So, he's denying the existence of... These... Of, like, a ruling class and... The working class. It's like... That does exist. You know, I don't know... I don't even know... How to respond to that? Because it's just like it's it's the truth. It's just that 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 is how society functions. Yes, we have nation states, but within those nation states, yes, there are gigantic conflicts between workers and the capitalist class. Capitalist class. So anyway, carry on. Or actually, no, not carry on. Uh, he mentions. That and the video is almost done, and then I gotta get to Warren and then the, the news, but anyway, uh he says <clears throat> sorry, he says that wherever Marx's ideas were put into practice uh like Cambodia and Soviet Union and blah 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 blah, they failed and Once again, this is the mental gymnastics of... In a way, yes, but I would... But I would say... That... It failed... And a lot of people... That are of my political and economic persuasion... Agree with me on this, where... We argue that... These systems failed... Not because Marx's I- I- ideas were implemented, but because they weren't, or at least not not the way they were supposed to be implemented, and not the way that he in in would have intended them to be implemented. And I like David Pakman's, uh, like I mentioned earlier, David Pakman's classification of those societies. He says. And, and it's funny because he's a person that doesn't agree with, uh, with a lot of us, you know, the, the, the Ancoms and the, he doesn't really agree with that philosophy. He's a social Democrat. So, uh, but even he said, yes, you know, they implemented some of Marx's ideas, but what it was in reality was a right wing perversion of left wing ideas. And I thought that that was a brilliant point that David Packman made so I gotta give him props on that one because he's right you know because you still had hierarchy you didn't abolish the state and Marx wanted to abolish the state now I disagree with him that a quote unquote dictatorship of the proletariat or a dictatorship of any kind is the way to bring about a stateless society but uh we didn't even get a dictatorship of the proletariat. It was just a, it, these are these were just dictatorships, you know. So it's like, so I don't know. It's just it's just so silly. So I would argue that most of his ideas were not implemented, and that's why those countries' systems failed. Anyway, this video doesn't have that much longer to go, so let's uh, hear. Oh, wait! Before we do that, though, he says. Um, We fought a decades-long Cold War to stop the murderous notions of communism. Murderous notions? Okay. Obviously, Stalin and Mao murdered a ton of people, and I feel bad for those people. However, what about all the killing of innocent civilians that's been done uh, in the name of the war on terror and, keep it real, to serve corporate profits? you know, in service of corporate profits. Not saying that these that killing people uh, in, increases corporate profits, but in the pursuit of corporate profits, innocent civilians were sacrificed. So it's funny how he doesn't mention that. So, no, ca- capitalism can't do anything wrong. It's communism that does everything wrong. It's, it's communism that has the murderous notions, as opposed to the... Uh, imperialist capitalist countries, uh, like the U.S. and formerly Great Britain, who, you know, who use imperialism to basically increase their corporate profits. So, so that's just weird that he doesn't mention that, that he doesn't uh, bring that up. But anyway,
1: new guise of identity politics. The corrupt ideas of the postmodern neo-Marxists should be consigned to the dustbin of history. Instead, we underwrite their continuance in the very institutions where the central ideas of the West should be transmitted across the generations. Unless we stop, postmodernism will do to America and the entire Western world what it's already done to its universities. I'm Jordan Peterson professor of psychology at the university of toronto for prager university
0: okay so basically he's saying that these postmodern neo marxist professors are going to influence these students into implementing these these you know these horrible ideas and discredited ideas uh, into Western civilization, like, into the whole of Western civilization, just as uh, they're doing in the university system in the West. Um... No. <laughs> like, what? Again, it's like, you can't prove that. Show me that, you know, show me the evidence for that. Like, what? 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 It's just so silly. Um I don't I don't even know how to respond to that to be honest with you. I have no idea how to respond to that. I really don't. I mean and also this this is this whole conversation Rests upon the notion that this is, this is predicated on the assumption that students are going to listen to their professors. Some of them will. But have you seen a college classroom or a high school classroom or any classroom? Half the kids don't give a shit. At least, you know, there are, there are a few that are genuinely interested in learning that's a fair point but but most well i'll say about half half of those students do not give a shit about what they're being taught in class so it's just it's so it's so weird Peterson's just a weird guy. So I don't know. He's just again, he's just silly and I think he's just mad that his conservative agenda is being undermined by people that actually care about, although they have they they make some errors they 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 in their tactics they uh, are trying to improve society and jordan peterson is trying to regress society as he claims that it's these postmodern neo-marxists that are trying to regress society so um Okay, moving on to Elizabeth Warren's campaign video. Give me a minute. I can't find the uh, I can't find the video yet, so I'll just keep talking to you guys until uh, until I find the video sorry about this didn't anticipate this uh, this issue ah here we go okay so let me just uh, do some quick adjustments here for a minute So this is from uh Kyle Kulinski's show Secular Talk and so he's going to be on for a few seconds and then I'll play the ad and then just quickly break it down before I get into the uh the news so cuz there's not really a lot to break down but I just have some concerns about it so anyway here we go So let me show you her entire ad here. It's about four minutes and 30 seconds long, and then we'll come back and discuss.
1: In our country,
2: if you work hard and play by the rules, you ought to be able to take care of yourself and the people you love. That's a fundamental promise of America, a promise that should be true for everyone. Growing up in Oklahoma, that promise came through for me and my family. After my older brothers joined the military and I was still just a kid, my daddy had a heart attack and couldn't. My mom found a minimum wage job at Sears, and that job saved our house and our family. My daddy ended up as a janitor, but he raised a daughter who got to be a public school teacher, a law professor, and a senator. We got a real opportunity to build something. Working families today face a lot tougher path than my family did. And families of color face a path that is steeper and rockier, a path made even harder by the impact of generations of discrimination. I've spent my career getting to the bottom of why America's promise works for some families, but others who work just as hard slip through the cracks into disaster. And what I've found is terrifying. These aren't cracks that families are falling into. They're traps. America's middle class is under attack. How do we get here? Billionaires and big corporations decided they wanted more of the pie, and they enlisted politicians to cut them a fatter slice. They crippled unions so no one could stop them. We're going to
1: turn the bull loose.
2: Dismantled the financial rules meant to keep us safe after the Great Depression. And cut their own taxes, so they paid less than their secretaries and janitors. It's time to write the rules for the middle class. After Wall Street crashed our economy in 2008, I left the classroom to go to Washington and confront the broken system head on.
0: Elizabeth Warren, apparently not afraid to tangle with Wall Street. Elizabeth
2: Warren is heading into the lion's den.
0: Mrs. Warren goes to Washington.
1: She did. We
2: created America's first consumer watchdog to hold the big banks accountable. A woman who has warned of another meltdown. If
1: Washington doesn't
2: straighten up. I never thought I'd run for office, not in a million years. But when Republican senators tried to sabotage the reforms and run me out of town, I went back to Massachusetts and ran against one of them. And I beat it. Today, corruption is poisoning our democracy.
0: Politicians
2: look the other way, while big insurance companies deny patients life-saving coverage, while big banks rip off consumers, and while big oil companies destroy this planet. Our government's supposed to work for all of us, but instead, it has become a tool for the wealthy and well-connected. The whole scam is propped up by an echo chamber of fear and hate designed to distract and divide us. Races. People who will do or say anything to hang on to power point the finger at anyone who looks, thinks, prays, or loves differently Build that wall. than they do. Build that wall. But this dark path doesn't have to be our future. We can make our democracy work for all of us. We can make our economy work for all of us, we can rebuild America's middle class. But this time we got to build it for everyone. No matter where you live in America and no matter where your family came from in the world, you deserve a path to opportunity because no matter what our differences, most of us want the same thing to be able to work hard, play by the same set of rules and take care of the people we love. That's the America I'm fighting for. And that's why today I'm launching an exploratory committee for president. But the outcome of this election will depend on you. In the last two years, millions of people have done more than they ever thought they would to protect the promise of America. And here's what we learned. If we organize together, if we fight together, if we persist together. We can win. We can. And we will.